Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 5 of the Jetman with a Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Shoujin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm solid, man. Had a, had a great weekend. The LARP event I told you about last week was amazing. Nice, nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Suffice to say, I was a visiting noble from another kingdom, and uh, I think it's safe to say safe to say that I killed it. So, yeah, so it was great. Wait, you you killed the kingdom, or no? Oh no, 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 no! Oh, man. you killed I, uh, a general. I, it. I represented. I gotcha. Yeah, no, no, no. That I makes a lot more well. sense. Yeah. So, okay. No, Dave. I had a great time. Had a uh, had a good day at work today. Nice. Long story. Won't go into it now. Maybe anyway. Ever. <laughs> okay. So, uh, well, instead of going into that story, Dave, we have another thing to get into. Today, sure we're watching episode five of Jetman. It's called Fall for Me. But before we do that, shining in the heavens, Dave, there are five stars. Mm-hmm. What is our first star of the week in our officially uh, our first... award-winning <laughs> opening segment? <laughs> I was really, I was wondering if I was going to have to ask you to say that. Uh, I'm glad that I didn't. No, no, I have a note here in the script. Yeah, so our first star, Matt, is, it's minor, it's just a little guy, but all dressed chips. Let's talk about those for a second. Let me tell you about the all dressed chip, Dave. Have you, have you ever had, or are you familiar with the all dressed chip? I, uh, I have not... It seems like something that I should be familiar with. I mean, because it, I went to college in Pennsylvania, and I don't know if it's Pennsylvania. It's like that does it sounds like Pennsylvanian. Uh, it is not Pennsylvania. Does that make although sense? Although you are, you're, I feel like your instincts are good because Pennsylvania is lousy with like regional chip flavors. Dude, God, I think I like Pennsylvania. I like Pennsylvania a lot. Maybe my second favorite state in the union after the great state of Ohio. Maybe the best potato chip state in the country. Ooh, well, listeners, get at us I, if you have uh, regional yeah. potato chip recommendations outside of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. But these, Dave, are not Pennsylvanian. They are not American. Okay. The all-dressed chip is a Canadian delicacy. Oh. It's like the most popular. Like Canadians probably also have good chips. I feel like they probably do. I know they have you know, ketchup-flavored chips. That sounds a lot less appealing. But the all-dressed... Well, you don't even know what the all-dressed <laughs> chip is. The all-dressed <laughs> chip, okay. It tastes like if a barbecue chip was also a salt and vinegar chip was also like... I don't know, like a like a cheddar and sour cream chip, kind of, a little bit. S- Okay, so Matt, can I make a guess here that the all-dressed chip is literally just like all of the flavor powders? Just all of the flavors that they accidentally spilled onto one batch and then they tried to sell yeah, anyway and I it was a hit? Yeah, I feel that makes... I actually feel strong. You keep talking about it. I feel strongly enough about that. I'm going to look that up. 
Because my I man, I'm, I'm going to put money down on this uh, versus no one. But yeah, I feel like it's just all the standard flavors put together. And I, I feel like you're probably right. Check and what's out. weird about it is that, like, okay, it's called All Dressed, which sounds yeah. weird until you remember that it's a Canadian flavor. And that I feel like All Dressed is just the Canadian version of when we in the States say that, like, our French fries are smothered and covered. Or, like, fully loaded. Right. Like, we have our smothered and covered potato fries. Potato fries? French fries. Whatever. <laughs> like, they are literally, like, choked to death on a pile of, like, melted cheese and sour cream and bacon. And they're, like, you know, like, we have murdered these potato chips twice. Please enjoy them. And, like, oh, here's our chips. They are all dressed. They're probably wearing, like, a smart jacket. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, sure. You know, I think what you said there, Matt, uh, all dress or uh, smothered and covered something or other, I think it's because you're thinking of Denny's, and that's the only thing that makes Denny's food kind of palatable. If you've never been to Denny's, first of all, don't. Just yeah, no, don't you're, go if you to haven't, Denny's. you're doing a great job so far. Yeah, you are, I mean, I don't know about the rest of your life, but you're definitely winning that aspect of it. So... But there is a thing that you can do at Denny's. Like, if you find yourself at a Denny's, because it happens And, like, your car is broken down so you can't leave. Right. You, you Maybe you end up at a Denny's. And, you know, maybe you're, like, 18 and you need some place to be, but you're not old enough to be at a bar. Or maybe it's you don't 4 be, in the morning you know, and you desperately need pancakes. Listen, we've all got reasons right. to go to Denny's. Right. None of them are good. <laughs> None of them are good but anyways, enough. Yeah. <laughs> but if you do find yourself at a Denny's and you they have hash browns and they're bad, but you can order them. Uh, I don't even know if it's on the menu anymore, but it used to be like doubled, covered, and smothered. And they will take your hash browns and they'll put like gravy and grilled onions and some cheese on it. And that is like, that's pretty tasty. Anyway, that's all I, I mean, got. I got these chips like, and they were tasty. They are like available in the states for a limited time only, and all I am right, a well, huge gonna... sucker for not only regional chips but limited time regional chips. Dude, I yeah, no, I'm with you. Got those wasabi uh, yeah, okay, and ginger so... kettle chips last year from Lay's. Dude, those were killer. Dude, I will definitely I will shill for uh, what do you call it? Kettle brand, kettle brand potato chips. Listen, if Kettle Brand Potato Chips wants to sponsor the show, I am all in. They have got like a spicy Thai. They've got a red curry flavored potato chip. It's amazing. I don't know if we need to talk about potato chips anymore, <laughs> but uh, they are delicious. Kettle Brand Potato Chips, get at us. Anyway, Dave, that I think is it for our first star of the week. Uh, unless, did you look up our all-dressed chips, just a little bit of all the flavors? Yeah, no, I did. I couldn't find anything in the brief like moments that I devoted to it. So yeah, that's it for our weirdly extended first star. Okay, uh, Dave, what's our second star this week? So Matt, our second star this week is um, it's a star of anticipation. I haven't actually done anything with the stuff I'm about to talk about, but I hopped on hopped on the old Xbox last night. That was a weird way to say that, but <laughs> I was, um, actually, I don't know why I thought of it, but I was like, oh, I wonder if there's any more uh, dra uh, DLC 
for Dragon Age Inquisition, which was a game that I've talked about on the podcast and I really enjoyed. Oh, because I was thinking about The Witcher 3 and how there's DLC for that and how I want... And like, what was I playing before Witcher 3? And it was Dragon Age Inquisition. I was like, oh, I wonder if there's more DLC for that. And there totally was. Like, two big expansion packs. Oh, really? Yeah. So one, you're like underground fighting the Darkspawn. And then the other one, you're doing another thing. I, I didn't look too closely at it. I just saw that it was a big DLC pack. And uh, and I bought it. Because I'm, I'm bad at spending imaginary <laughs> money. This is okay. Because <laughs> Ma, was, Ma was visiting. And uh, she just left this morning. And she we, we were hanging out yesterday. And uh, I was kind of explaining the concept of DLC to her. And she said, so is this something that you spend money on? And I said, yeah, uh, I just did. And she said, wow, that was easy. And I was like, yeah, it's a little, it's actually a little too easy. Like it makes it, I miss Microsoft points because Microsoft points, I at least had to like think, like it was like a two-step process. Right. You needed you to know? buy Microsoft's points and then spend Microsoft points. Yeah. It was, it was like the part on your computer that says like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, do you really want to do this thing? And I had to say, yes, I do. But now the Xbox is just hooked up to my debit account. So it's like, do you want to spend $35 on like DLC and also like a Kunari weapon and armor pack? And it's like, yeah, it's not even real money. Dude, like, Dave, I that didn't... is the exact reason why I cannot have the Domino's app on my phone. Like, I, yeah, like, no, I can order anything... pizza. That's fine. But I need to go into like a web browser to do it. Yeah, I uh, I think I might have to take the Amazon app off of my phone because I have Amazon Prime, like we've mentioned before, and <laughs> do, it, it takes me 30 seconds. I think of something I want, and then I just open up my phone, and then it's at my house two days later. It's not, oh, actual, Matt, what? okay, speaking of things that have shown up at my house, speaking of things that have shown up at my house, I did use my discounted copy of the Mage 20 print-on-demand, and it is on my dining room table right now. Ooh, how big is that book? It's gigantic. Like, it's enormous. Uh, if you are familiar with role-playing games, it's the standard like height and width of a role-playing game, but it's like 700 pages long. It's huge. <laughs> and so I'm waiting. I got that. And then I also have like the deluxe copy coming later, but the deluxe copy, it turns out is like going to print in a while and they won't be here for a couple of months. And I was like, I'm not waiting that long. So I now will have two copies of this gigantic book, but I'm excited. So yeah, when we're done with this, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm going to read my new role-playing game book or play the DLC for this game. We live in a magical world, We Matt. do. Dude, I'll tell you, uh, before we close out this DLC star, um, one game that I desperately need some DLC for is Super Mario Maker. Dude, I just desperately need Super Mario Maker. You do. You absolutely do. But here's the thing that I realized after I unlocked all of the building tools in the game... Okay. Is I was building, I built like three levels and then I was trying to get inspiration to make some more levels. So I was playing through yeah. old Super Mario Brothers games, right? Oh, yeah. Now, is there a way that you can do that on the Wii? Like, are they just available for like cheapo purchase or were you? Um, I have Super Mario World and Super Mario Brothers 3 on the Wii U Virtual Console. And then I, I just have a bunch of old cartridges and my old Nintendo sitting around. So I've been oh, playing okay. a bunch of right old on. games. 
trying to get some inspiration. And then I will go into Mario Maker and want to make something. But there's like a there's a whole pile of things that I know they have to at some point give me as DLC. Because oh, I want to not. make those levels and I can't do it. Like, I can't make a level... Um, I can make land levels and I can make water levels. But I can't put water in a land level. You know? Huh. Oh. Yeah, that's kind of lame. I mean, it's fun. Like, there, there is, like, an infinite number of things that I can do with the tools that they, that they gave me. But I can't make a desert level, you know? Right. So I'm oh, yeah, really no, looking you forward want to that. whenever they finally get around to giving that stuff to us, because I desperately, desperately need to make desert levels. Anyway, that's all I've got on that. That is just not that is not even something that is for sale or announced yet. So <laughs> I, I'm sure I'll talk about that later. Uh, but I think that is going to close us up for the second star. Dave, what Matt. is our third star of the week? Oh, OK, Matt. Uh, third star of the week is the podcast switcheroo. Oh, yeah. This we do is... a podcast. We're not part of this. To be clear, we're not part of this. This is just like a thing that exists. Oh, no. This is just a thing I've been listening to this week. Yeah. Um. So there is a podcast network, the Maximum Fun Network, that has... I don't know how many yeah, podcasts they have. Yeah, they host like now. My Brother, My Brother and Me... And Adventure Hour, stuff like that, right? Uh, Adventure Thrilling Zone, Adventure yeah. Hour? Adventure Zone. Uh, Thrilling Adventure Hour is now sadly gone. Um, but it was on the Nerdist Network. But okay. that is... Was that Paul F. Tompkins? Uh, Paul F. Tompkins was on that show, yeah. Okay. Seriously, right. guys, y'all need to listen to Thrilling Adventure Hour. That was a great show. Anyway, so uh, all of the shows on the Maximum Fun Network this week, they're all doing each other's shows. Like, all of the hosts have swapped... And, okay. <laughs> okay. And so it's really interesting to listen to because, like, you know, like, these are all people who put out shows every week. So it's not like they are unused to putting out shows, but just, like, switching up the formats has really made for some very interesting listening to, like, you know, like, the people who are hosting My Brother, My Brother and Me are used to recording shows, but they did not. Right. They were not used to giving advice. And the, the my brother, my brother and me guys just sort of like gabbed for an hour over on the show that they were hosting. It was okay. it's a really fun sort of experiment. I think they I think they did it because they hit some sort of fundraising goal earlier in the year. Um, but if you are interested in any of those shows, um, or just interested in what like a sort of podcast Freaky Friday would look like, um, definitely check those out. They are tons of fun. That's a thing. No, yeah, that sounds awesome. There's not a whole lot to say about that, which is good because we spent a long time talking about potato chips. Time well spent, Matt. Time well spent, I believe. So, Matt, potato chips, video games, podcasts, what is our fourth star of the week? Fourth star of the week, Dave, is Fall Television is back on. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. Yes. And I'll tell you what, I... I'm not even caught up. Oh, neither am I. I I've seen... I caught this. I, I've seen a bunch of season premieres. Seen the season premiere of uh, Brook, uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Saw that, which is as good as it always is. Amazing, which is to say, I, the dude, best. That show is so funny. I was a little concerned that it was just going to be like an Andy Samberg vehicle. Not that I don't love Andy Samberg because he's hilarious. Do you know what I mean? But I was afraid it was going to be like just him, right? And it's not. 
everybody on that show hits on all cylinders all the time. It is hilarious. That is the... There was a time, sometime I was watching a few episodes, I think it was last season, and I was sitting alone in my apartment. I may have mentioned this on the show before, but I'm just sitting alone on my couch laughing and saying to no one, like, I like this program, this is a good program. <laughs> you... <laughs> Maybe you need like a roommate or something. <laughs> hey man, I'm doing okay. Uh, so yeah, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is back, uh, The Flash, Flash is back on. Oh, dude, I watched The Flash like a little bit last year, and then I kind of got distracted watching a whole bunch of other stuff, but I do want to catch up on The Flash. Dude, you have got to catch up on The Flash, um, because this season, they're bringing in Earth 2. What? Dude, yeah, like, Adam Smasher and Jay Garrick were in this episode. Wow. Yeah, dude. Adam Smasher was played by the Edge. Not the U2 Edge, the wrestler Edge, the rated R superstar. Yeah, no. Yeah. I didn't I didn't feel like guitars maybe were going to be like a really big part of it. So anyway, uh that was great. <laughs> Agents of Shield is back, which is a show that has gone from dude, oh my first, gosh. The first season of Agents of Shield up until like the last bit of it was a lot of like me sort of wringing my hands and saying like I really want this to be good. Yeah. And then the second season was such a relief right. because it had gotten good. And now this season Dude. has started up and it looks like it is killing yeah, it. It's it's um it's so good. If you tapped out on Agents of Shield early, I totally understand. Like, uh, I get listeners, it. but you should give it another shot. It has really done some stuff. It is, it, yeah. It's just, it's a, it's a fantastic show. Okay, you know what? Here's the, I think the best way to say it, Matt. It has gone from being like a niche fan show, like, oh, do you like Marvel comics? Like, oh, do you like the movies? Did you really dig Agent Phil Coulson? Then maybe you'll dig this show. To being, I think, like a really interesting, well-connected piece of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think it really stands on its own at this point. It's just a great show. Yeah. I don't go. I don't want to talk about it yet because it was still a little bit close to coming out. But maybe at some point later we will, you know, just talk about the details of the show because it's rad. Yeah, somebody lost a hand, so you know it's serious. Because that is the <laughs> only way that comic book and comic book fr- franchises know how to communicate to their audience that something serious has happened. <laughs> hand is gone. It's like being shot in a hero spot. Right. You either get shot in the shoulder or you right. lose a hand. Right. One of those two things will happen. Anyway, Dave, uh, what is our fifth and final star of the week? So our fifth star of the week, Matt, is actually actually fairly relevant to not Super Sentai, but Power Rangers and Austin St. John. The original Red Ranger. Dude, it is the book, Karate Warrior. Karate Warrior. Okay, so you may not know this, but Austin St. John actually did have like a fair amount, uh, does, I guess, he's still alive, had a fair amount of like martial arts training and had, I think he had like won some sort of like national juniors championship or something. Well, Dave, so I don't he, know about that, but I can, I can read his, uh, his accreditation on the back flap of this book. Man, I would like nothing better than for you to do that. Uh, it says, Austin St. John is the former star of the television series Might and Ray from Power Rangers. He is an accomplished martial artist. 
He is a fourth Dang. band black belt in Taekwondo and a triple black belt in Kempo Jiu-Jitsu. Tenpo. Or Tenpo? Tempo Rai Rai Jewels. Tempo. Uh, he, wait, a, th- a triple black belt? It says... What even is it? Man, I don't know. But uh, this book, I, I can... Okay, so this is something I discovered in my crawl space the other day. And I remember that I had bought it... I was in high school when I bought this thing. When I was working at an outlet bookstore, I found it for like two bucks and I bought it on a lark. Because yeah, no, a big I remember. double page spread that says you can be a karate warrior with Austin St. John giving you a big thumbs up. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Matt, you need to take a picture of it and post to our Twitter. Oh dude, I, I was doing that all last night. I know you don't follow <laughs> me on Twitter, but uh, do, it's not just you, Matt. I don't follow uh I don't really I don't Twitter. I don't tweet. Uh but this thing is amazing. I'm not a tweeter. Uh you can be a karate warrior. Amazing. The Power Rangers were created to make the world a better place to live in. That, I'm proud to say, has been my main achievement as one of their members. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I'm just doing a, a reading from the book now. <laughs> yeah, no, you probably should have prefaced that. Uh, yeah. There's a whole bit about the history, mystery, and romance of martial arts. The ancient origins of the martial arts, Dave, are lost in the mists of time, but we do know something of their early history. We do know. Over 2,500 years ago, a prince was born... In India, just inside present-day Nepal, he was the son of the king of the Sakya warriors. And it just what's what's the most amazing thing about this book mm-hmm. is not the bit where he tells you that the flying sidekick is the most spectacular of all martial arts techniques, or the bit where he promises to perform and explain his most astonishing kicks. I is that wait? What is his most astonishing kick? Well, there's the flying sidekick, of course, the most Naturally. spectacular of all martial arts techniques. Uh, there's right. a, a spinning heel hook, I think. Okay. Um, but the really, the real shining star of this book is uh, all the pictures of Austin St. John. Some of them he is doing demonstrations, and in some of them he is wearing a mesh tank top. Yes. Like these That's huge the best thing I've heard all day. Genie pants. Like these huge leather genie pants with like oh my a gosh. belt that has these huge metal rings hanging from it. I rem- no, I remember this now. Yeah. And, and he's got, he's got crazy like, boots about on it. or something, right? Yeah, and well, what's crazy about it is aside from everything that's crazy about it, is that all of those pictures are shot in such a way that it looks like they're on the set of a kung fu movie that he is the star of and they're like practicing and filming <laughs> but no i was looking at his imdb last night no such movie exists incredible anyway incredible. If, if you if you happen to find cheap somewhere a copy of karate warrior uh co-written by austin st john and steve Rowe, uh you should do yourself the favor of picking that thing up it is a hoot matt just in case you were curious you can absolutely find a cover of Copy of Karate Warrior, it sells for <laughs> one cent on Amazon. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you can absolutely get a copy of it very reasonably. Uh, it looks great, I'm going to say, on literally any bookshelf. It doesn't even have to be a bookshelf. Just, you know, get yourself a copy of Karate Warrior. Uh, some of it, like the front page splash that says you can be a Karate Warrior, you can pull out of the book and use sticky tack to affix to the wall of your freshman college dorm room, like a young Matt J did. <laughs> <laughs> a 
Anyway, Dave, that's it for the five stars. We're going to take a quick break. We are going to go watch episode five, Fall For Me, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode five of Shoujin Sentai Jetman. And Dave, what happened this week? Okay, so uh, Rude Dimension recovers. Kaori also recovers from her jet machine crash and becomes a true warrior. Guy finds himself on the wrong end of a love triangle, sort of. Dude, ain't nobody on the right end of that love triangle right now. Yeah, but nobody. We will get to that. <laughs> so, as the episode starts off, as uh, you mentioned, uh, if you recall, at the end of the last episode, the, I do. the white swan's jet machine was shot out of the sky and she crash landed. Right. We see a quick recap of that, and then we jump immediately to Space Camp, where Chief is looking over some medical charts. Right. We don't actually know, like, at no point did we see, like, anything happen. I just want to be like, the last we saw, she was just in the jet machine, things were going poorly, like, that was it. So yeah, now, so if what we're about to say sounds like we're missing a scene, yeah, that's not, not on us. Yeah, that is not uh, not my fault. So here's the deal. It turns out Kauri has been paralyzed. Ish. But not really. So she has the classic... Um, it's a classic Professor X uh, paralyzed situation. Where yeah. remember when he got like his clone body after his real his first body was uh, destroyed by the brood? Yeah, and then his clone body couldn't walk, and it wasn't because there was anything <laughs> wrong with his legs. It was Who because like that? he was psychosomatically paralyzed. Yeah, that is what has happened to Calrie, except her body wasn't destroyed by the brood. Which yeah, exactly. I guess kind of does change the situation. Not a telepath, anyways. Yeah, so it turns out the chief says, with a look of disdain, says that you are paralyzed by emotional shock. And, like, just no pity. The chief continues to be just as hard as a coffin nail. Amazing. And Cowrie, so, like, Cowrie recognizes this. Like, she does not oh, try yeah. to deny it, but regardless, she cannot will her legs into doing anything. Just and she feels like a it. huge failure. And she actually says, if I wasn't acting like such a princess, I would be able to do that. I hope Ryu feels bad. He should. Except, okay, there's something I'm going to talk about later in the episode. Because, like, throughout this whole thing, Ryu is just, like, relentless. Not remorseless. Relentless in his drive to, like, get Kaori to, you know, like, up her game, right? Right. Which seems really mean, except these five people are literally the only thing standing between the Earth and complete destruction and or slavery. So, like, yeah, no, just you don't have time to be nice. Right, like, Kauri needs to yeah. get it together. Ryu is being a huge jerk to her. 
But in his defense, in the world of this show, apparently that is what you need to help you get over your like Dude, psychosomatic injury. Kyrie needs to get over it. Now like, they need the power of five. Now, Guy, Guy is the one character in this show who operates on a more sort of like human emotional scale where everyone else is talking about like you need to like fight and become a true warrior he hops in he's like hey no you did a pretty good job like if you were really acting like a princess like you would have left a long time ago guy like guy for all of his sleaziness has genuine compassion right okay which the rest of the gentlemen have no time for let me just hop in real quick because i I broke something. I figured it out while I was thinking about Jetman this week, as I often do. Because I've been trying to figure out the best way to talk about Guy. Because as we've said in the last couple episodes, like, sometimes he's really cool. Sometimes he's, you know, not a cool dude. Yeah, I know. Exactly. And I've... Okay. And again, this is an X-Men thing. So if you you get this, that's great. Uh, If you don't... I don't know. Sorry? Let me know, and maybe I can try to liken him to other characters from another franchise that you're familiar with. Uh, Guy is like a perfect blend of Sunfire and Gambit. Oh, hmm. Like, he's very sort of, like, confident and headstrong and always about to quit the team like Sunfire is. But he always okay. comes back because he is... Like, you know, he is, he is a heroic dude at his core, and his conscience is stronger than his, like, spirit of anger and rebellion towards the people who are trying to lead him, even though he knows in his heart that he could be doing a better job. Right? I... So you got that aspect right. of the Sunfire. Yeah. And then also... And then you've got the Gambit part, where, like, he charming is, road. like, a sleazy but charming... Like, womanizer pickup artist dude, but he does yeah. have genuine, oh. like, compassion for oh, these yeah. people. Okay. So, hey, is there any word on the Channing Tatum Gambit movie? Is that officially been, do we know, sidelined? I hope um, not. No, I, I heard that that was going to be sidelined and then it wasn't. Okay. I, yeah, no. I really don't know. That really, I haven't heard anything that makes about a lot of sense. Recently. So, he's a, yeah, he is. He's he's Sunfire slash Gambit. That's who Guy is. And that, I don't know. Ryu is basically Cyclops. Yeah, no, that's that makes sense. That, that I mean, Cyclops me. is my favorite, but he is also like a huge killjoy. Yeah, Cyclops and is the best. And we could hold. Yeah, dude. So, man, Cyclops has not gotten his gotten a fair shake in the last couple of years. But that's a whole other thing. That is not only a different episode. That is an entirely different podcast. Yeah, we will we let other people that handle that. They're doing a great job. <laughs> okay, we so Kauri says are busy she... with the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Shojin Sentai Jetman. So we should probably talk about this TV show. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. So Kauri tries to like get up out of bed. She says, "I don't want to be a burden. I'm going to train. Like I want to be a true warrior." And again, guys, like, no, you're actually like doing fairly well. Like, why don't you chill? We cut down to a cavern below the earth, I guess is the idea. And we see that Road Dimension is recovering from like the double laser cannon jet machine blast that he took to the face at the end of last episode. We cut away from there and we see the Virum and they are like, 
they have some sort of televiewer that they are a television, perhaps, that they are watching Road Dimension on. Radigat is super into it. He says, oh yeah, like Road Dimension is healing, and when he heals, he's going to destroy the Viron, and you all will kneel to me. Or not the, sorry, he's going to destroy the I was gonna Jet say. Man. Yeah. And you all will kneel to me. If you guys don't remember, whoever of the Viron revolutionaries kills the Jet Man gets to be top dog. And so they start having an argument, like, all of them saying, well, maybe I'm the one who's going to kill the Jetman. Right. It gets around to Maria, and they have a much more sort of direct confrontation, where Maria says, I'll be the one to kill them. And uh, Radigat says, no, you need to learn that your best place is serving me. She gets right. super pissed off and storms yeah, she... out of the dimension. Radigat is straight creeping. Uh, Gray, the robot, is just looks over... And lights one of his, like, cigarillos and then just turns away. Dude. Gray is amazing. Gray is amazing. We're going to see how amazing in a minute. So we cut back from there. We cut to the Jetman. And they are training because Kauri has said, like, my legs aren't working, but my hands are working. I can still right. operate the jet. Like, like let's get back up there so I can train. So they're all in their jets. And the chief says, form Icarus Hawken. I can I I'm just going to assume that that's supposed to kind of translate as the Icarus Hawk because that makes sense, and so she says, and I'm just going to say that from now on because it sounds way cooler. It which is really cool, like the Icarus Hawk. That's rad. It is very maybe cool. less rad if you really think about the story of Icarus, but whatever. Well, well, we will see. Okay, I mean, just a Should brief spoiler for later Hawk. in this episode. The Icarus Hawkins' special power is that it, like, catches on fire and crashes into the enemy. So it's pretty accurate. Okay, yeah, that, all right, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so they're all training. Hmm. Uh, Chief says, now, combine, they get into formation, but... Can't handle it. <laughs> the, the problem is that for some reason in this super advanced, um, uh, like, jet... <laughs> machine <laughs> the, the, the thing that triggers the combination sequence in each of the jets is there's just like a gas pedal on the floor there isn't a button on the the, the console it's just yeah it's it is literally like it's gas like a pedal. gear shift it's or, uh, hilarious yeah no that's probably exactly what it is it's the clutch and like <laughs> Kauri just can't gears. put like yeah you're changing into gear. Icarus hot gear and so, like, the whole thing falls apart. I, does she crash again? Uh, she... It actually doesn't... We don't actually see it. She kind of starts to go down, and we don't... I don't think we see her actually crash, but she definitely fails to form the Icarus Hawk. So she can't... She can't do the thing. We're done there for a second, and now we are going to see why Grey is so amazing. So we cut to the Virum dimension, or wherever it is that they hang out. Gray is listening to some piece of, it sounds Russian, like classical music, on a phonograph. He is pouring himself a glass of wine. Remember, he is a robot. Right. He pours himself a glass of wine and is polishing this, like, super rifle which is, for some reason, it's not like a laser rifle. It just shoots actual bullets. And he is polishing individual bullets. Because Gray is a classy murderous robot, Dude, apparently. Gray is a classy man. So he's polishing the bullets, loading them into his rifle sort of lovingly, listening right. to music. 
He might he be smoking drinks, another cigarette. He definitely is. So he drinks the wine, and then you see him, and he kind of like walks away. And then you see a, a far shot, and he is walking, like you see him behind the phonograph, and he is walking up an upside-down staircase off screen. Yeah, because their dimension is like this weird M.C. Escher nightmare. Like he throws his wine glass, he, he says, Jetman, and throws his wine glass oh my in the gosh. air and shoots it out of the air with his rifle. Guys, it's so Jet good. is amazing. Yeah, Gray is like the Hannibal Lecter of murderous extra-dimensional robots. Incredible. So, we, we're done there for a minute. We go over to Kauri, who is, for reasons unknown, by a railroad track, which seems like if you were in a wheelchair is maybe not the place to hang out. Yeah, she's, she's in a wheelchair. She is on, like... In, not a full-on hill, but, like, definitely an incline right. next to a railroad track, not on any sort of paved path. Yeah, she is just hanging out. Yeah, the sorry, the railroad track. She's not next to the railroad track. She's at the top of a hill at the bottom of which is a railroad track. Again, in a wheelchair. Yeah, and there is no, like, there is no reason is for them to rail? be there. She's not, like, yeah. out for a stroll. It's just, she's just there. It is as though they said, hey, Kauri, what is the worst place for you to go right now? And she and said, then, oh, well, it's right here. Let's go do it. Right. So she is, like, struggling to get out of the chair. She's, like, picking her legs up and, and you know, pulling them out of, the like, the leg rests, desperately trying because, you know, she wants to be, like, a true warrior, right? The rest of the Jetmen are just watching this, vaguely hiding behind a tree. Raita is like, oh, we got to go help her. And Ryu says, no, like you, she has to, like, she has to do this. She can, she'll never be a true warrior. Which she, again, insane. Cause she's about to fall down this hill. Guy right. wants to go and Ryu just stops him. And then she does. She 100% falls down this hill. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I think she, she falls. Oh, that's and right. The, the, the chair yeah, falls the down the hill. the wheelchair rolls down the hill. Guy runs over like a person and helps Kauri up and says, like, hey, you you know, like, you got to be careful or something like that. And Kauri <laughs> over to Ryu, and Ryu is standing at the bottom of the hill. And is saying, like, no, like, she needs to struggle <laughs> through this. Come on, Kauri, like, crawl he towards says- me. He says, overcome your weakness, Kauri. And then he like holds the chair out as though she as though she's gonna get down this hill in with her non-functioning legs. And so she's just so- dragging herself down this hill, and mercifully, <laughs> like the scene is cut short by Grey attacking them. Right. So Grey attacks, they all kind of do their like jumpy jump back thing when the ground explodes around them. Well, except for Kauri, who's just lying there. Right. Guy gets her into the wheelchair and starts, like, running her down the sidewalk away from Gray while the other three rangers, I guess, are gonna fight him. Yeah, or at least try to hold him off. Now, Guy does have the right idea to get her into the chair and get her away from the combat, yeah, he gets that far. But that is when his like ability to reason just completely goes out the window. 
Yeah. So <laughs> he turns he turns off of the sidewalk. So he leaves the sidewalk and starts trying to go over the railroad tracks with Cowrie in her wheelchair, to which she is like perpendicular. Yeah. So he is having And to this is go... not like a road that goes over railroad tracks where like it's paved up to there and you can kind of roll over it. Yeah, no, no, it's no. just through gravel into railroad tracks. Right. Lo and behold, a train's coming. Guy, instead of just picking up Cowrie, who can only weigh like do maybe 130 pounds. Yeah, and do not forget, he has crazy jet condor strength with which he, like, punched a dude across an alley and bent his saxophone in half. Right, so instead of just picking up Kauri and her wheelchair, which he is 100% capable of doing, he is, like, struggling to get her over each rail of the tracks. So there's a weird cut where, like, you can't quite tell if they managed to get off the tracks or if they got hit by a train. You can probably guess which Spoiler alert. Right. Yeah, they get off the train tracks. They continued to be characters in this show, so they were not murdered by a train. Right. So the other three jetmen are, like, running away, and then they start getting pelted with bricks. Yeah, bricks are just flying out of nowhere. Which they're actually, they, they recover pretty well from being hit in the face with a brick. But they're superheroes. So, it turns out, and I can't, which kid is it? It's the video game kid. It's Tran. Tran, thank you. It turns out Tran has psychokinetic powers and is like hurling these bricks at them and then uses the bricks to build a wall and traps them in the wall. Yeah, he like straight cask of amadeados these guys. Yeah, it's incredible. Wow, deep, nice cut there, Matt. Um, And like they're stuck in this like three-sided walled structure that he then starts to, like, spin around. He's throwing spears at them? They're, like, spears or, like, giant arrows or something. But there's something... Okay, before we go further here, Tran, let me just describe Tran for you real quickly. Again, he's got, like, a cloak thing, and then he's got... I don't know. They look sort of like high-tech walkie-talkie earpieces on either side of his head, and then those are attached to shade, like sunglasses, like uh, like a visor shades that come down over his eyes, and then he has like a Nintendo Power Glove, right? Right. And the, the sunglasses sort of retract in and out, depending on what is sort of dramatically appropriate. That's what I was just going to say. Like, he hits a button, and these sunglass visors retract into his headset. It's incredible. I just want that. It's great. And it's one of those things that is clearly only there for dramatic effect. The same way that, like, yeah. either Gray or Guy, like, lighting a cigarette and then immediately throwing it away are there for dramatic effect. Yeah, he, like, they come in and out, I think, three or four times in just this scene. They clearly kind of figured out how to do this and were real entranced by it and are just kind of trying to figure out where they can put it in. So anyways... So he's using his psychokinesis to uh, throw these spears through the walls at the Jetman. Right. And then I think it just uh, makes it explode. Yeah, I think... No, he... No, he... It, that's not him. That's not him that makes it explode. That's Ryu, who uses his, like, bird puncher to punch an explodey hole in this wall. Uh, Dave, I th- believe you mean the wing gauntlet? Uh, yeah, yeah, like the birdie puncher. That's yeah. what I said. Branding, Dave. So, branding. 
Gray, we cut away. Gray is attacking Guy and Kauri. They are in like a warehouse. Oh, no, Dave. I'm sorry. You are jumping ahead a scene here because the first thing that Gray and Guy do is that Gray is walking slowly towards Guy and Kauri. Guy hops on a motorcycle. I don't know whose motorcycle it is. It's somebody's. It's somebody's, and it was not there a minute ago. He starts riding it towards Gray. Like, jumps it up in the air, jumps off of it. The motorcycle hits Gray. Gray gets knocked over. The motorcycle explodes as though it is packed with C4. And the guy is like, yes, I have done it. I have murdered this murder robot, and I feel great. Yeah. He, uh, guy, er, Gray does not care. He just kind of gets back up. Oh, wait, sorry. Before all that happened, Ryu and Tran have, like, a a fight where Ryu is trying to stab Tran with his bird sword and Tran is just like teleporting around. Yeah. And he does actually manage to just grab Tran and he tries to throw him. But between the time that he grabbed him and the time that he throws him, Tran has disappeared and Ryu is just holding his cape. It's a, it's actually a pretty, there are a lot of bad jump cuts in super Sentai. That was a particularly good one. Yeah. Just want to give credit where credit is due. Right. Let's be fair. They did nail that one. Okay, so Gray, sorry, so jumping back to where we said we were but weren't but are now, Gray (laughs) rises from the explosion of the motorcycle and just starts like Terminator walking towards Guy and I was going to say, this is exactly Terminator. It is if the Terminator like drank red wine and smoked cigarettes and listened to classical music. It's like Hannibal Lecter Terminator. This show is just like a series of weird mashups is what it's seeming like. Okay, so in the time where he is getting up from the motorcycle explosion, Guy and Kauri have managed to run away. So, sorry, he is Terminator walking, but not like directly towards them, just sort of around, I guess. But we do get a bit from his perspective where we see like his heads-up display in his robot eyes, like scanning the area for the Jetmen. Right. So he is on the path, but they are right. in. Uh, Guy and Kauri are inside this warehouse, and Guy has like completely like that was his one move. Like I hit him with the motorcycle, and it didn't work. And now, like I'm my out. hand is bleeding, and he's talking about how like well, my life was short, but you know what? It was pretty good. <laughs> and Kauri is like, dude, wh- wait, wow, why, why are you, why are you talking? Like we're not dead yet. Like, we can still do this. And she says, Ryu would never give up. And now we like, oh, okay. So Kauri has like a little thing, it seems, for Ryu. Guy kind of notices this and says, what? Dude, I don't want to talk about Ryu right now. I'm about to die. Yeah, like, I'm about to die. Don't talk to me about this guy that you know that I hate. And she's trying to figure out, like, why do you hate him? And basically the only reason is that he doesn't like someone else ordering him around. Yeah. And also we get the impression that maybe Guy is a little jealous. Oh, he is because... super jealous. He's not saying that right now, but we'll get it later right. in the episode. Like, <clears throat> yeah. oh, no, actually, he does say it right now. He says, he don't says fall, something like, to you, the you effect can't of... into that guy. Like, that guy sucks. And if you're yeah, going like, to fall for anyone... Yeah, like, we would be a way better couple. And here's the titular line of the episode. If you're going to fall for anyone, you're going to fall for me. So, Gray starts tromping towards Kauri and Guy. 
Guy does not realize this, but figures now's as good a time as any and makes a kind of semi-sneaky move to try to hold Kauri's hand. Kauri notices and just jacks him in the face. Yeah, Incredible. so Kauri is not into it. Right. No foxhole love for Kauri. She's like, nope. Bam. Guy takes this as like a as a spur to action. <laughs> like he refuses to admit defeat until he has gotten with Kauri or something. I, I don't really know. But at this point, Gray tromps just straight through the wall and is about to shoot them with his lovingly polished robot rifle. But we see underground road dimension, which we did not realize until now is still giant road dimension, like stands up, shakes the earth, and throws off Gray's shot. So Guy and Kauri are able to escape. Now, here's another thing that's been going on this whole time. It's been sort of cutting back and forth, is that in the yeah. fight with Tran, um, Ryu, Raita, and Akko have all transformed. Um, yes. And uh, Tran has used like the gamepad on his arm to summon some cars that are driving themselves around. And uh, Ryu is, like, stuck to the roof of one of those cars as it's just, like, driving around willy-nilly and he's trying to not get thrown. And eventually that car just drives straight off of a cliff into the nearby quarry. Which, (laughs) oh my gosh, which I'd also like to point something out. Is it, like, I don't even know why Ryu was on this car. He can fly. He can actually fly, yes. Yeah, he can fly, which he does as the car is going off the cliff. He just, like, kind of jumps off of it and flies away. He's totally fine. Zero explanation as to why he's stayed on the car this entire time. But he did. And so as he lands, he, like, uncross changes. And everyone sort of all meets up in the quarry. Now the whole team is back together. Right. And they're immediately attacked by another one of the Viram War Party, Maria. Maria, who has an energy whip, all right? She's got like a handle, and she kind of like shakes it around, and an energy whip comes out of the end of it. She like attacks the Jetman with her energy lightsaber thing. Well, it's cool. It's actually, it's sort of like, um, remember uh, Ivy from Soul Calibur? She had like the sword that was also a whip. Yes, I was just going to say this thing. So when she's done with it being a whip, it like retracts and solidifies and then it's just a sword. It's awesome. So she has used her like energy whip sword to pull Ryu over. Ryu is sort of like tussling with her. He looks kind of down into her face. And I'll admit I didn't notice this. And I don't know if it's supposed to actually be true or maybe just Ryu sees it. It is true. Okay, it's totally true. Awesome. So the Viram leader, Maria, is his dead girlfriend, Rie. Yes. Wow. It we is don't know th- how. Yes. We, well, we don't know yet. We, this, this is going to continue to be like a big thing throughout the show, that Maria yeah, no, that is Rie. So look forward to that like storyline like coming back and being a thing. This is the first glimpse we get at it. And he doesn't even yeah. say anything to the rest of the Jetmen. 
Yeah, which is a little. I mean, I get it. I get it. They're he in the middle of a fight. Maybe, maybe he's not quite sure of himself. Right. But she's totally. It's apparently the same. So while this is about to happen, Road Dimension has recovered. He like stands and shakes the earth. A giant crevasse appears. Kauri and her chair fall into the crevasse. Ryu manages to like grab her at the last second. But while he does that, Maria is strangling him with her laser rope sword whip thing. And so incredible as, as they are struggling, like Kauri is just sort of hanging like limp because she can't move her legs. Ryu is begging her to like try to do something. Maria is choking him out. And eventually like something in Kauri's mind sort of like realigns itself. And she is able to get her legs to move, jump out of the crevice and kick she Maria in the face. Yeah, she Obi-Wan's. Yeah, she just like, jumps Maria right out of there. Maria is Darth Maul, and Kari is Obi-Wan, and she, like, you know. Ryu, in this case, is the the little stud that Obi-Wan is hanging on to. I'm not really sure. <laughs> but, yeah, so she jumps, like, up and over Maria, and then just kicks her in the face. It's amazing. So they all cross-change. I didn't notice this before. Uh, all of the Jet Men announce themselves in English. I was going to mention I- this, because this is the first time we get the full roll call. Like, they've transformed before, but I think this is the first time where they go one by one and announce their name. Yeah. Like, I get it. I I play a lot of role-playing games. Everything is cooler in a different language. I don't know why it's continually funny to me that they announce themselves in English. I just get a big kick out of it. Well, you know, it's... It's something that I feel like it happens a lot more in this show than it did in Die Ranger. Because, like, this show is just called, you know, Jetman. And they're all oh, called yeah, like, Black Condor. Whereas in Die Ranger, you know, it was a lot more... Everyone had Japanese names. Oh, okay. So, I, yeah, you know, the, the degree of it varies from series to series. But yeah, it, it did throw me a little when I first saw that. Okay, so Maria, after getting a boot to the head, uh, manages... She summons the Grinham soldiers. Grinham soldiers arrive. Fight, fight, fight. That part of the fight is sort of like they they're just fighting. Right. It's like it's not. We get a couple crazy. of showcase Although, moments of the Jetman like beating up the minions. Yeah. Raita does pick up one of the Grinham soldiers like over his shoulders and is just spinning him around in that like old timey wrestling move, which is great. But other than that, it's just kind of a fight. So Road Dimension bursts out of the ground and attacks. Remember, he's still giant. Ryu looks up at this and says, like, summon the jet machines. Right, like, we are jumping to this immediately. Yeah, so I am. Ho- I was hoping that we were going to get Giant Robot. We don't yet, but we do get Icarus Hawk. So Icarus Hawk shows up. They combine into that, which is just, it just kind of looks like Jet Hawk, but bigger. Yeah, it's just a giant jet machine. It's actually not super amazing. But what we do see is its Super Jet Phoenix attack. Oh, by the way, okay. quick aside, before they do this, just as they're getting into, um, like, Icarus Hawken, and, you know, they've all combined, they've done the thing. It's the thing that Kauri's been having a huge problem with. Ryu looks over to her and is like, hey, good job, Kauri. And she's like, just like, really... oh, yeah, no, it's no big deal. Right. Which is like, 
It's totally a big deal. You were completely unable to do this as of maybe five minutes ago, but whatever. Right. Like, just accept the compliment. Right. So You just did what is apparently a very difficult thing. Right. You managed to hit the gas pedal, I guess, which is... Hey, man, she was learning to drive stick. That can be tricky sometimes. All right. Fair enough. So, she... They turn into Icarus Hawk... And this is the attack. They hit like they hit the button or the levers or whatever it is that they do. I don't care. And the entire jet machine, the whole Icarus Hawk, catches on fire. The fire like plumes out from it into the form of a giant. Well, it's a phoenix. It's a giant fiery bird. And then they just ram Icarus Hawk into road dimension. It's am- it's awesome. It's awesome. I don't even care that we didn't get a giant robot. No, you know what it reminds me of is do you remember um the the final attack for uh Kibadayo from Die Ranger where she they would yeah. shoot like the, the uh like the Phoenix the whole, robot and it would turn into like yeah. a giant like fiery laser bird fireball thing? Yeah, it was awesome. It's it is a very similar thing to that, but you know, it, with a different aesthetic. It's a it is a cool move. Yeah. And that's so- it for Road Dimension. Yeah, he's done. Nobody survived. He just got laser probably. bird fireballed to death. <laughs> yeah, he's he's out. So 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 hooray! They beat they beat Road Dimension. We don't see anything left of that scene, but what we do see, so we go back and they're like by the railroad tracks again or something. And Kauri, in a cold as ice move, is saying. Ryu, like, she's talking to Ryu, and she's like, oh, Ryu, you're the best. I never could have done it without you. You're totally amazing. Yeah, like, you're the one who saved me. Right. And Guy is standing, well, well, not right there, because he's standing a few paces away and just, like, glowering at them. Very reasonably so, because it was totally Guy who actually saved her. And so, so Raita and uh, Akko are like, Kari, it's so great. Your legs work again. Kari says, yeah, check it out. And then she just kicks Raita, like, really hard yeah. for no reason. And I could not tell where he, she kicked him, but it was either the shins or somewhere far more sensitive because he goes down immediately and is rolling around on the ground. And Kari <laughs> and is just laugh. cackling at him. She's like, yeah, looks like my legs are pretty good now. It's like... Yeah, he just said that. He was complimenting you with enthusiasm, teammate. Anyway. So, so, so we see Ryu, and he's like, wow, Kaori, you did a great job. And he goes to shake her hand, and Guy does not want this to happen. He is so dedicated to not letting this handshake happen. He circles around Ryu and then bursts through the handshake so that Kaori and Ryu do not shake hands. And then without turning back towards them, he's just like, well, okay, I guess you guys are going to be okay on your own. And then just leaves because apparently Guy has quit the team again. Right. This time because, I don't know, because Kaori's being sort of catty, maybe? I don't know. Oh, he's also being jealous. No, dude, he's being yeah. Gambit Sunfire. Like, <laughs> wait. I'm out. I'm leaving. I'm never coming back. He's totally coming He'll be back, back next episode. Fine. So we see, our last scene for this episode is that we see Radigat up in the Viram Dimension headquarters like thing. 
He is standing by Gray's phonograph saying, Jetman, like, I will, I will destroy you or something. Well, he says something about, like, you're finally going to make me take this seriously. Right. And it zooms in for reasons I don't understand on his mouth. And he is, the idea is that he is, his teeth are like sharp and he's dangerous and a monster, but he is just wearing those like super cheap plastic, like, like Halloween vampire things, teeth. Yeah. yeah. Like it so is one step up from just like wearing wax lips. <laughs> um, so it kind of takes me out of the moment, but, but you see a reflection of Radigat that is laughing like along with him. And so that is his like true form, I guess. And it's like a weird bat monster, bat demon monster thing. Okay. What it looks like is it looks like the vampire Lord from Skyrim. That's what it looks like. Oh, it does kind of look like that. Yeah. He's got a weird creepy monster form. Right. But he's got a weird creepy monster form. So this isn't even his final form. Oh, no, dude, he's got so many forms. Oh, does he have a bunch? Well, I have seen at least three. One only lasts for one episode, and it is is remarkable in its plainness. But we will get to that episode in a while. I'm into it. I'm into it. So there's an episode. That's it. We just I'm not going to tell you Radigan anything about laughing. it other than that. But there is an episode where like the episode basically just follows Radigat around, but like something has happened to him. Listeners, oh, if cool. you've watched this show before, you know the one I'm talking about. And if you haven't watched it before, look forward to it because that one is insane. Yeah, that sounds great. And that's it. But so, that's it for this episode because we're not there yet. No. So Dave, as for this episode, what was your high point? Ooh. I think my high point is the fact that Ryu is taking his role as leader of the team that is like the only thing that will save the world appropriately seriously. That's like, that's big for me because (laughs) my expectation was going to be that everyone was just going to say like, oh, Kauri, like, it'll be great. Like, just do your best. (laughs) <laughs> he's like, no, you need to get on it. We do not have time for you to mess around. It's warrior time. Right. Like, you need to be a true warrior. Make it happen. We need to save the earth. So that was great. How about you, man? Dude, my high point was uh, really getting our first good look at Gray. Yeah. Gray, Gray like the super awesome. like classy, civilized murder robot from Beyond the Dimensions. Who, like, yeah. has somehow acquired a record player. It's incredible. Dude, Gray, <laughs> Gray's the best. I just, I don't know. I don't know how he's drinking wine. I don't totally know how he's smoking. But he is, and it's awesome. So, uh, low point, Matt? Uh, my low point this week is... That you remember that scene where Guy decided to take Kauri onto the railroad tracks for no reason? Yeah. That is some yeah, classic totally old school low point. Like, there is no reason for that to have happened other than that shot. It was just like in a show, in an episode where like everything else really fits together well, that scene just like sticks out like an absurd sore thumb. It just makes no sense. 
Yeah, like, the fact that the scene exists makes no sense. How he deals with it makes no sense. It's, yeah, okay. It, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. Anyway. It doesn't make any sense at all. And what about your low point? I think, Matt, my low point has got to be that Icarus Hawk can only be formed by, by like, a, a foot pedal. Like, that's, like, super science, jet machine, like, Phoenix attack, Icarus Hawk, Verdonic waves, and you just need to, like, you need to hit the, the clutch to engage Icarus Hawk. It is absurd. Yeah, uh, but that's my low point. It doesn't really come up again. I think, okay, to be fair, I think that is only there because they had already introduced the idea that she's paralyzed. It is there for the there exact to be same reason. reason that the... Right. Like railroad track scene is in there. Just like we need some tension in this scene. How on earth are we going to make this happen? Right. But uh, yeah, so that's my low point. It was just dumb. Anyway, that then is going to do it it? for another episode of the Jetman with the Golden Gun. Thanks for joining us. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you, you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or get in touch with us on Twitter or see the pictures that I put up of that uh, Karate Warrior book, we are on yeah. Twitter at Super Sentai Bros. If you, you like the show, know that you want that. Oh, but you want that. You want it. Uh, if you like the show, please remember, shining in the iTunes review <laughs> section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help new people find the show. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week.